SRI illusions. For this episode, we will be returning to Disneyland, the happiest place on Earth, and we will be visiting a place that we didn't get a chance to talk about in our Every Ride at Disneyland Ranked three-part podcast, which you should totally listen to, five and a half hours of ranking every single ride in the park. But today, we will be going to the edge of Disneyland, to the outskirts, to the outer rim, to Galaxy's Edge, Disneyland's newest Star Wars-themed land. And their first land that they opened since uh, the early 90s with the advent of Toontown. And here to discuss all of the Disneyland fun is my partner Tara, who has accompanied me to Disneyland 21 times in the calendar year of 2019. Tara, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Tara. Uh, if you've been following our podcast um, as an update, I have now started a new job, even though I'm still awaiting bar results, so... Some states have gotten it back, but not California. All that time waiting has included a couple of fun Disneyland visits. Before we dive into Galaxy's Edge, a place where I think it's safe to say that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about this new land, especially really just the core philosophical discussion uh, of what Disneyland was... uh, had in mind for creating a whole new world versus adapting one of the existing uh, planets in Star Wars lore, most notably would be Mos Eisley as part of Tatooine. But before we dive into all of that, I just wanted to set some of the parameters for our discussion because Disneyland means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And for that matter, Star Wars means a lot of things to a lot of different people, and there are two things that I love uh, very deeply, but I love them in very different ways. And if you're somebody who hasn't been to Galaxy's Edge, or you're looking for a review of Galaxy's Edge, I think it's important to just explain where we're coming from, because you may uh, go to Disneyland for very different reasons than we do, or you may engage with Star Wars in a different way, and I think that's important to just keep in mind that where we're coming from is not the same way, uh, is not the same place as everyone else. So, for Disneyland, there's a lot of different ways to be a Disneyland super fan. You can be very into the rides, you can be very into the food, you can be very into the merchandise, you can be very into the dessert specifically within food. You can be very into going, you can go to Disneyland, not go on a single ride, just take pictures everywhere. And have a good time. It's a really, it's a remarkable place that offers a lot of different experiences for a lot of different people. Now, the way that I go to Disneyland, we we tend to spend about fifteen hours. We get there right as it opens, and tend to leave around a little after ten, between ten and eleven. And I really love the rides. For me, the rides are why I go to Disneyland. I love desserts. Desserts would be my secondary, but I'm really all about going on the rides and having a good time there. And I really personally don't care at all about the food. Food food time is, is aside from the desserts, when talking about actually eating a meal, I like to get that done as quickly as possible 
and go back to rides and all of that. Now, there's plenty of people who who don't do it that way, who like to sit down, like to go to Blue Bayou or one of the many what wonderful places to eat. I personally, for the amount of money they charge for sit-down restaurants, would much rather just go to an actual sit-down restaurant that I like and not have to think about what rides I could be going on when I'm sitting and uh, waiting for a waiter who's dealing with too many tables to, to handle everything. I would personally not be too terribly interested in eating a lot of food at Disneyland. Uh, do you want to, do you want to comment on that at all, Tara? I like, like I do enjoy the rides at Disneyland as my number one priority. Um, getting as much fun out of the rides as possible. After that, I really just like the experience of Disneyland from the ambiance of the different lands, um, taking in the architecture, um, even just admiring what's in the shops or in the windows. I like the people watching aspect. I like to see that people are there and having fun. I like when people are Disney bounding or cosplaying. Um, I, I like the experience aspects of Disneyland. Um, and that is something that I think Galaxy's Edge is catering to, but I think also what they're really looking for is the foodies, which isn't what we're going there for, but that's us. I think there are, um, ways to do Disneyland where you're still enjoying the food, um, or in Ian's way, which is a little more of get the sustenance to keep on going. Um, so you can, you can get what you want at Disneyland. There are ways to do it. Our way is not for everyone. Yeah, I, and I guess also just for for a frame of reference, uh, as a transgender person, I I constantly am watching my hormones. I've actually fainted at Disneyland in the parts of the Caribbean ride, and I got up and I still did the ride, but uh, like my food to be relatively on the, I don't want to say bland, but on the healthier side for energy, and then Later in the day, when cause, I mean, we we walk around a lot. Uh, I like sugar for that. So a lot of these sort of avant-garde fusion style uh, entrees that that the Galaxy's Edge offers are not super appealing. From a okay, I need energy because I'm going to be running around for seven more hours. But uh, to build off the experience aspect, uh, I also love that uh, one thing that Tara uh, remarked. We, during our day, I like to to really think about, re- well, we don't take a lot of rest at all, and I always say we're going to take more rest, and then we end up not, but one of my favorite, I, I like to work rest into, I don't like to just, sitting on the bench in Main Street's fun, but uh, I like to coordinate rest really through uh, Pirates, or it's a small world, rides where you're on it for uh, 10 to 15 minutes, you get time to rest, but our favorite uh, rest activity during the middle of the day is to go see Beauty and the Beast at the Royal Theater. Tend not to see Tangled because it's earlier in the morning before we really need the rest, but one thing Tara noted a couple days ago when we were last there was how fun it was. We've seen it seven times, maybe eight times this year, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and she marked about just how fun it is to be there with people who are clearly there for the first time, laughing at a lot of the jokes that are still pretty funny, like the Little Mermaid, and all the huzzas and the songs, and it's a very, very, very funny show. So it's not like I just want to go there and zoom around on the Matterhorn all, all the time, but 
the experience uh, is is great. And then also just just as one more uh, sort of setting the tone for our discussion, Star Wars was my first fandom. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you know that we talk about Star Trek and we talk about Game of Thrones a, a, a lot. I'm involved in a lot of different fandoms, the Stargate fandom as well, uh, Farscape, uh, the Muppets, a lot of lot of lot of different uh, culturally rich. Uh, pop culturally rich fandoms that I like to be a part of, but Star Wars was my first love. I had that VHS ca- uh, cassette package that had Vader, the Stormtrooper, and Yoda on the, the black uh, VHS cases before the special editions with the new scenes came out, I think 1997. I I had the, the older set before that, and from the minute I saw R2-D2 in the opening scene and C-3PO walking on the tentative four, I was in love and I kept that love for a very long time, read a massive chunk of the Expanded Universe before it was retconned. No, it's called Star Wars Legends, I think. I read Heir to the Empire at second or third grade, which was... It's, it's a, I, I, I credit, I've credited in my career the Star Wars Expanded Universe for serving as a way for me to read well above my reading level in a way that... These are big books and these are uh, adult words, but it was great to be able to read these big adult novels that had Luke and Han. It was easy to follow along. Maybe some of the stuff sailed over my head, maybe just a little bit. But I know there's a lot of old fans who hate the new, the sequel trilogy. So we've had the four movies. The TV shows I love. Star Wars Rebels is a really well done show. The Clone Wars was great. I actually think that the the Clone Wars movie gets a bit of a bad rap. The quest for Jabba the Hutt's son is a little bit silly, but I really didn't like Force Awakens all that much, just strictly from the perspective of it. It, it seemed at times to be way too much of a frame for frame, re, uh, frame for frame remake of the original movie, A New Hope. It it was just it was very underwhelming. I I really. And, and I think you could see that a lot reflected in the way that people would say, well, it was to, to, to reboot everything, to, to wipe the slate clean. I don't really think movies should, should be about that. I think they should be movies and that the, the continuity and all of that can kind of solve itself later. That's, to some extent, uh, it's an open question of how effective they were at that with um, explaining the First Order and how we went from... Yubnub at the end of Return of the Jedi to It's All Shit. 20 years later, who the hell's Snoke? I mean, one would imagine he was probably a figure before. We never heard of him. There's no backstory. I think Snoke really is the worst character of the new sequel trilogy because the idea that they killed him in, in such sort of a really abbreviated fashion in The Last Jedi after really getting no backstory about him, which maybe we'll learn next next movie, maybe we won't, but Captain Phasma, similar. A lot of this feels half-baked, and I think a lot of that's the fact that these movies are sort of trying to follow the original, the, the tone and the feel of the original movie, but they have more characters now to deal with because they have the re- remainder of the uh, original cast. Like, really aren't going to be around moving forward, but 
they, they've, they've had to try and sort of be a lot of different masters to a lot of different people, which is why I think a lot of people pretty unanimously like Rogue One, because Rogue One was detached from all of that. It, it existed within A New Hope really, really remarkably well and remarkably close to all of that, while also being separate and distinct, and it had a lot of rich character development. I, I really liked that. I wasn't as tough on Solo as everybody... Last Jedi, I think, was kind of a Empire plus O.J. Simpson slow speed car chase, underwhelming. Not a terrible movie. All the people who who hate on Ray and and um, the new character Rose, I I think that's just unfortunate and and mean. But I, I this is this fandom doesn't really mean as much to me now as it did certainly as it did when I was. Uh, five or six, when all I could think about was Star Wars, I had I have buckets of the action figures back home. So I really do love Star Wars. And then there's Galaxy's Edge. And to start a discussion about Galaxy's Edge, I think it's important to note the fact that, that prior to recording this, whenever I talk about Galaxy's Edge to people, and we've been a few times now, people say... How do you like Galaxy's Edge? And I like to be a thoughtful person. I'm a film critic. I, I don't like to, to rush to judgment about anything. And even to this, this I, I still think there's a large part of me that's still formulating how I feel about Galaxy's Edge, which is okay because it, Toontown was built 20, around 20 years ago, and, and Galaxy's Edge will presume... I mean, they're, they're coming out of the Marvel Land and California Adventure ne- next year, which is... Remarkable, but it, it's hard to imagine that Disneyland will have another new park for anytime soon. So, Galaxy's Edge is is something that's maybe not built for first. Im- well, no, it is built for first impressions. The big question is how how it's how we're going to feel about it a few years down the road. But when people ask me how do you feel about Galaxy's Edge, and I pause, it's like they sort of smile and they jump in like you hate it, don't you? You hate it. You think it's it's it it sucks. And there's this sort of glee, this similar kind of glee of the people who, who really try to hate on The Last Jedi. There's people who, who almost like feel like they want Disney to fail. And that's not maybe the most unique opinion in the world. We've seen that kind of play out in the way that Spider-Man has been fought over between Sony and Marvel slash Disney. There are people who think Disney is, is, is a monopoly and... Uh, becoming too much of a behemoth and maybe there's something onto that but I don't hate Galaxy's Edge I really want to love Galaxy's Edge but but where I'm at at the point of this recording is that I very much do not think that Galaxy's Edge is a very big deal and I imagine that Terra uh, feels uh, a little bit similar to, to that s- sort of sentiment I guess the problem I have with Galaxy's Edge is that it doesn't have anything really to tie it to the source material versus Cars Land is a beautiful replica of Radiator Springs in the Cars movies. This one is just completely new. So you're not really going to see a lot of Easter eggs in there. Um, It's a beautiful place. Like There's beautiful attention to detail in their concept, but... You wouldn't know otherwise that it's Star Wars. So I actually think that that as far as Easter eggs go, there's a couple that really shown through the droids, and there's the one uh, 
But one Easter egg that I really loved, uh, 8D8, who is the uh, white torture droid from Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. He was torturing a gonk droid who was upside down. For no real reason, we don't... We're still not really 100% sure if droids can feel pain, but uh, they they have that. They have uh, an X-Wing, an A-Wing. I think that's still an X-Wing. It's one of the newer... uh, Force Awakens models, but I think I think what Tara said is uh, really a, a great place to to start, which is the decision to do Galaxy's Edge as Bachu, this new planet, instead of one of the other ones. And as I said in the beginning, you look around Galaxy's Edge, Bachu looks a hell of a lot like downtown Mos Eisley in Tatooine. And I think a lot of that's reflected in really two of its marquee attractions. The idea that that the Olga's Cantina, which is really supposed to be the Mos Eisley Cantina, coupled with um, the, the funny droid from uh, Star Tours, voiced by Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. The best thing about Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, and, and, and so I, I do think it has more Easter eggs than maybe anybody wants to give it credit for, but... So, so Batu is supposed to be this new planet, but it's got the cantina, which is supposed to have the bump, 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 like Mos Eisley feel, which is is one of not only one of the most iconic moments in Star Wars history, but also filmmaking. The idea that George Lucas created this other world. Star Wars is a revolutionary movie. Nineteen seventy-seven, changed the world. My grandfather, who hates science fiction, still remarks uh, about the first time he saw that in theaters. There was just nothing else like it. Industrial Light and Magic, ILM, special effects they do are just revolutionary. And the other big attraction in Batu is uh, the only one of the two rides, the only one that's open right now, is Smuggler's Run, Millennium Falcon. So we're supposed to... A, a, common, a common thing that I've heard about the reason the reasoning behind Batu versus Mos Eisley or, or Tatooine is is the fact that they want it to be new looking forward versus looking to the past. I, I I've heard that. There's no official reason. One thing that we have heard, which I think is nonsense, is the idea that uh, they want to base it off new characters so they don't have to pay royalties. I think that's really a conspiracy theory. Disney owns, owns Star Wars. Even if they didn't. I don't think they'd care if you look at Disney World at the Animal Kingdom. They built Pandora before they even bought Fox. And they were paying, we everybody knows they were paying royalties to James Cameron for uh, Pandora and all the Avatar stuff. So I think that's nonsense. I think Disney does. I think there is something to be said for the idea that they want to build a land based on stuff that they created, not George Lucas. But then you see Olga's Cantina, and you see the Millennium Falcon, and you see the Easter eggs like 88 or the plenty of the droids that you wouldn't really, uh, at least their models you wouldn't recognize unless you were uh, a Star Wars droid super van. They only really pop up a couple times. You see them in like the the Hoth hangar bay or around around Mos Eisley, but. They create this new land, and you walk around in the architecture and the staircases around it. It, it does look like down, downtown Mos Eisley a lot. 
And for the people who go there and say, I don't understand this star, the, this version of Star Wars. I don't think that's helped by the fact that it does kind of look familiar, but it's not familiar. It's like a friend that you haven't seen in 20 years, and maybe they've had uh, a lot of plastic surgery, or they look di really different, or uh, they, they dyed their hair, weight changes, all of that. Basically, somebody like me who, who transitioned... Uh, if I saw a friend from 20 years ago, they'd probably look at me and say, gee, I don't really know who that version of Ian is anymore. I imagine there's people who probably feel that way about Bachu. Did, did, you, did you feel like you were uh, somewhere new, Tara? I, I agree with your idea that like it's familiar, but it's not. And I think part of the familiarity is even a forced familiarity in that the Star Tours ride for the months leading up to Galaxy's Edge really hammered in uh, the Batu ending sequence. They wanted people to say, ah, yes, this is the place. But it does look like the architecture and designs are reminiscent of the places that we've seen throughout Star Wars in all of the movies. But like, really, why didn't they just do one that people already had a connection to? You can't force people to love this new place if they don't really know what it is. And so, to Disney's credit, they have really created a lore about Batu and about Galaxy's Edge. But unless you're, like, looking that up online and reading about it on the Disney website, you're not going to really know that story when you're there. And so families and casual fans visiting Galaxy's Edge won't have that information. They're just going to see it for what it is. And it's clearly in Star Wars, but you don't really know it. So I do want to talk about Star Tours a little bit later, but there's a lot to chew on right now. I want to stick on the theme of the world. And there's three comparisons that I want to throw in for people, for Tara, but also for you, the audience, to think about as comparisons for Galaxy's Edge. I, we, we could do four. I think uh, uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, Radiator Springs, Cars Land in uh, California Adventure, and then also uh, the world of Avatar, Pandora, Animal Kingdom are all uh, good comparisons to compare to Galaxy's Edge. And there's also uh, Toontown, but that's a bit different because it, it's really based off Roger Rabbit. But it's based off the world that Roger Rabbit created, but it's really Mickey's Mickey's turf. It's not... Roger Rabbit has a ride there. Toontown is based off Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But it's like they put a Mickey filter on, on Toontown. So it's not, not a perfect uh, comparison. But... For Radiator Springs, Pandora, and Wizarding World of Harry Potter, those are lands where you walk in, if you're familiar with the source material, you walk into those places and you are there. Radiator I hadn't seen Cars the, by, when I first went to Cars Land. I had never... I, I, it was just one of those Pixars that I, I hadn't seen. And when I watched... Cars for the first time, my jaw like basically dropped because I'm like, okay, that's perfect. 
Radiator Springs is is perfect, and it's even more perfect when you consider they took a really kind of the the Radiator Springs ride takes up a fair amount of uh, of uh, California Adventure, but the land itself packs a hell of a lot into a tiny little sliver of that park. It's very very. I, I think Cars Land is really one of their crowning achievements in terms of Disney's ability to craft architecture. And Pandora, Pandora's an incredibly immersive place, but I got a lot of land down there in, in uh, Orlando to work with. Um, I, I, I still to this day struggle to see how they're building uh, Marvel Land out of the remnants of uh, Rest in Peace of Bugs, Bugs Land. We, uh, we miss you. I would rather have a Bugs Land than Marvel, but that's kind of an irrational sentiment. Radiator Springs is absolutely beautiful. Wizarding World of Harry Potter is as somebody if you listen to this podcast you know that i'm really not a fan of jk rowling anymore on, on the subject of gay dumbledore is one of our one of our episodes uh i've even talked about how she's annoyed me about has she been my like a love of harry potter with uh all of her nonsense but wizarding world of harry potter is a remarkable remarkable place and that actually holds true for both um universal in orlando which has a lot of room to build uh, Hogwarts, Hogsmeade, and uh, they have Di- Diagon Alley over in their uh, Islands of Adventure Park. Those are those are unbelievable. They're remarkable uh, feats of craftsmanship. And you walk in there and you feel exactly like you're there. It's it's beautiful. We've been to we've we've I've been to both parts, but we've been to Universal Land uh, Universal Hollywood. Uh, like 10 or 11 times in the past two years, maybe maybe even a couple more. To this day, it's still, you look up at that castle, and it's like, wow, that is impressive. That's wild. I'm here. And you can't, you can't help but have a smile on your face. Galaxy's Edge. You're definitely in Star Wars. That, that part, we, I think we can all agree, in terms of, of, of just, just aesthetic immersion, you are there. But Terra's right. You don't really have a lot to connect it with. Star Tours, their final... And, and that's a ride that has, I think, 56 different combinations of, of things. And we didn't even go on it the last time we were there because since April, it's been uh, Jakku. They switch up who who delivers the message, although it's, it's Maz a lot of the time. Sometimes BB-8. And then it's Crate from the last jedi and then you land in Bachu, and it's annoying as somebody who wants to go to who wants to go to uh naboo wants to go to geonosis i don't think they go to geonosis revenge of the sith uh coruscant yeah i'm almost positive they don't go through geonosis but uh sartor has kind of kind of helped to do that um there's actually still a fair amount of stuff in uh, uh, Tomorrowland dedicated to Star Wars. Star Wars Launch Bay is still there. They put Bath of the Jedi back after Toy Story 4 had its little promotional thing. And uh, Space Mountain is still Hyperspace Mountain, which is uh, remarkable. And I actually, I think part of the problem with Galaxy's Edge is that I like Hyperspace Mountain and Star Tours still better than Smuggler's Run. And we can get to, to Smuggler's Run uh, a little bit later, but... I wanted to get Tara's thoughts on uh, the immersiveness of Galaxy's Edge as compared to, I guess specifically, let's go with Wizarding World and uh, Cars Land. So, 
both are all three parks or lands are completely immersive experiences from the minute you walk in. Everything inside from restaurants, stores, the cast members, and even the restrooms are completely immersive. Um, everything in the design is cohesive as if you are in that land. Um, they, they leave no stone unturned on where you're going to find things. Um, there's a lot to see. But then when, like the real difference between walking in Cars Land, walking in Wizarding World, and walking in Galaxy's Edge is like, it's an old friend. It's the friend you love. You know exactly who you're talking to and who you're with. And then you walk into Galaxy's Edge and you don't know them. Like, this is a new friend. I mean, Chewbacca, Chewbacca's there. Kylo Ren is there. He's like, they have the characters, Ray's but there. you don't know who this land is. It's it's nice, and it's something you can learn. Like, you're you're meeting someone new. Right, okay. So, first impressions. That encapsulates how we feel about first impressions. As I said earlier, this park's going to be around for decades, but people are going to have second impressions, third impressions. And I think Disneyland's kind of banking on us saying, okay, you may not love it at first, but you'll love it over time. And that's where I think Galaxy's Edge is, is going to run into some trouble because I think a lot of the experiences aren't just first impression type experiences. They're only impression type experiences. They're stuff that you'll go into Galaxy's Edge and you'll do it once. One thing that I really got the, got the sense uh, at, at, from all the times we've been in Galaxy's Edge, and maybe it's a little unfair because the park's new, Every day, Disneyland has a lot of people who go, who, who are there for the first time. Foreigners, uh, people coming from uh, all over the country. There are people who go to Disneyland who have not been there before. But it's a park in Southern California. It's a very heavy passholder park as well. And we actually, we, the, the low attendance throughout the summer of 2019 is really blamed on the heavy blackout structure for the lower tier annual passes. And the park was often described on a ghost. We went one day. There was basically uh, nobody there. Walk on fast pass for everything. Indiana Jones, a ride that they can really get up to. I'm not sure how often it can get to 100 minutes anymore. But peak out, you know, late afternoon, a point where uh, it, it, lines are supposed to get about as bad as they get. Five five minute line on Indiana Jones was ridiculous. Uh, Space Mountain same way. Uh, there was one time we went there. Star Star Tours I don't think went above uh, five minutes. Uh, we were there on Thursday. It did, but when you go to Disneyland, you uh, for the first time, you're gonna be wowed by a lot of different stuff. When we went to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. I think, like many, we got there at opening and then hauled ass over there. It's, it's in a, it, Galaxy's Edge is, is, is not an exaggeration in a lot of ways. Hollywood Studio, it, it's easier to get to in uh, Disney World, but 
Disneyland, it's 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 a hall. People people talk about Critter Country being a hall. Uh, Galaxy's Edge is uh, a lot further away. Uh, big difference being uh, you could get there from multiple spots at Frontierland, and uh, also the the um, past the Red Roads Tavern of Fantasyland. There's three entrances to Galaxy's Edge: one by the old smoking section in Frontierland, one near the old was that the that was the petting zoo. Yes. Oh, Big Thunder Ranch. Great place. Rest in peace. Like, just, oh, great. Yeah, so the other entrance there, and those are kind of similar to each other, and then uh, past the Hungry Bear restaurant in uh, Critter Country would be the other one. So you walk over there, and what we did was we basically did as, as much of a version of sprinting as you can in a park where they're always yelling, No running! Yeah, so when you turn the corner and there's no cast members around, that's when you run. Yeah, right after Pirates, that's, yeah. Right after Pirates of the Caribbean, you can pretty much pick up uh, if you're going through the Critter Country route. But we ran, we, we, we got there as fast as we could, and we were probably like the fifth or the sixth on Smuggler's Run. And the way that we tend to uh, coordinate our day is to start, Smuggler's Run doesn't have a fast pass as of yet. I'm, I don't think that's going to change. Rise of the Resistance will uh, almost certainly have a fast pass. And Rise of the Resistance isn't open. Take a lot of the Galaxy's Edge with a grain of salt. We'll do a podcast on, on Rise of the Resistance later. I'll tell you that. Tell you, um, we went there, and we walked up through that entrance, and the Critter Country entrance is, is more towards where Rise of the Resistance is. We walked up there, walked through it, saw the X-Wing, uh, saw the A-Wing, Really beautiful stuff. Did Smuggler's Run. Looked around. Uh, stuff wasn't really completely open. It was uh, 8 or 9 in the morning, and really all there was was the Smuggler's Run line. Which, the droids were still asleep. Yeah, droids were still sleeping. And we went. We did. Uh, we kind of just went. We this was the summer. We hadn't been in a couple weeks, which is ages in, in normal time. But for us... Uh, doing all those visits uh just really wanted to go see the rest of the rides and that's that's a thing to talk about as it relates to 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 galaxy's edge at disneyland more so than than hollywood studios where it can be a bit more of a marquee attraction i don't really see galaxy's edge as, as a marquee attraction marquee destination for Disneyland, given how much other stuff they have there. I don't know how much time you can spend in that land. And that's where the the first impression versus long-term impression comes into play. So as, as we stand right now, the only thing to really do there that doesn't cost extra money is to go on Smuggler's Run. Now that's true of um that and that's not it's not the full story. Uh, I really one one thing to really praise about Galaxy's Edge is uh, the cast members there are really trying to to sell the place. Uh, cast members walking around in other parts of the park aren't, in my experience at least, as sort of forthcoming and uh, talkative as say. You're walking around Universal. Pe- employees walk by. Their their, I think that their abilities as greeters are a lot better. Uh, and to some people, maybe that that doesn't matter. But the Galaxy's Edge cast members are really supposed to have backstories, and they're there to talk to you. 
that's actually nice. I really like how much I've had. I've had a lot. Uh, I've had a couple of really good conversations about Star Wars with the people, and I like how much they really do seem to enjoy the park. They're they're there to they're there to have. We actually, when we first tried blue and green milk, a uh, person was talking to us, and in my head, I'd actually slipped like sort of forgot about the backstory part, and I was like, "Gee, I really wish I'd played along with that." Uh, you can walk around, and the cast members. Uh, well, one thing that's actually really fun, and, and we witnessed uh, the last time we were there, but we've witnessed all the time. So the first order is supposed to be kind of uh, occupying Bachu. So uh, that's why there's a heavy imperial presence there. But I guess this was also kind of true in Tomorrowland when stormtroopers walk walk around. They're supposed to be gruff, but here they really are. And we've seen Kylo Ren and stormtroopers uh, really have some funny, funny rapports with. Uh, just a uh, cast member, I mean, uh, not... Guests. Yeah, we've seen a lot of... Uh, I'm going to redo that. We've seen Kylo Ren and Stormtroopers uh, re- have a lot of really funny interactions with guests. They're good at it. They're good at thinking on their feet. They're good at... Uh, it, it's funny. We've we've seen a couple of these uh, just just with people walking by. And if you say something to the Stormtroopers, they, they react. It, it's definitely funny. Yeah, like, they're, they're really out there to just tackle people and have fun with it. Um, and that is something that I think the full costume characters versus the face characters at Disneyland really get into. Um, slightly off topic, but one of my favorite YouTube videos is of the Jedi Academy in Tomorrowland, where this little baby bows to Darth Vader and swears allegiance to him. Like, those are things that, like, the face characters would just break out laughing. But when you have like the characters in a mask, like stormtroopers and Kylo Ren and Darth Vader, they just, they get so into character. And that is something that their presence in galaxy's edge really does lend to, which is good because there's no other entertainment in galaxy's edge. Otherwise, all you have really for entertainment is the interactions with the cast members. Right. There's an Imperial ship, uh, docked at, a point uh, close to the um, Frontierland, the the ranch uh, entrance. Uh, we've seen one of the Imperial generals uh, walk out, and they say some stuff. And they have some stormtroopers, kind of like a, a peanut gallery standing up on a ledge. Uh, put pictures in the description for the Podbean uh, feed. If you're, if you're listening to this on uh, iTunes or Apple or a different app, you might have to... Look at the source feed to to get that because I don't know how much the links always go through, but it's cute to to piggyback off that. There was a viral video a couple weeks ago of a girl who had to have been also like five or six, dressed up as Loki, who was really uh, was really excited to see Loki in California Adventure, where he's a character who walks around. And that guy actually did pretty much kind of keep a straight face, but you can tell even the guy was like, "This is absolutely adorable." Uh, so that's fun. That I like doing. We the past the the times we've done Galaxy's Edge, we've we've tried to do. Uh, we actually gave up on trying to. We we walked really fast the last time to get to Smuggler's Run in the morning, and the line was already bad, and I really didn't care enough, so we waited to do that till night. But we came back, saw the stormtroopers walking around, but beyond that. You can go into the cantina, and you can have a lot of really overpriced, 
over sugary drinks. If you're somebody who 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 wants to take a picture of a cocktail, um, you'll love that. If you're an alcohol connoisseur, if you're like somebody like me who has bartender experience, I'm not a drink snob by any means. In fact, pretty much my favorite drink is just a bourbon and an ice cube or a bourbon and soda, rye and soda. But uh, if you want to pay $42 for a Yup Nub, which you get in a souvenir mug, and some people do like the souvenir mug. If you like the souvenir mug, um, you know, I, 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 more power to you. I, uh, I, I know the feeling. There's bizarre collectibles that uh, I, I myself have uh, irrationally also coveted uh, that, are, that are not worth the time you put into getting them or the money. Uh, AP Pass Halloween Magnet. I'm still, uh, we, we didn't get a good, <laughs> we forgot to go over there last week and I'm still annoyed about it. I, I feel you. If you want the souvenir mug, no judgment. Go, go, go spend your $42. But if you want the drink, a yup nub drink is, uh, Malibu pineapple rum, Sailor Jerry spiced rum, and I don't think spiced rum basically belongs in, in any cocktail. So, not a fan. I, uh, it, it's a too dominant of a flavor. So you have uh, you have your spi- you have your pineapple rum, you have your spiced rum, then you have citrus juices and passion fruit. That's just like you want to drink that fine. You could go find that drink in a freshman dormitory. Just sugar on sugar. Or let's look at the uh, Bespin Fizz, much more affordable at seventeen dollars, which is actually kind of like baseball park prices. Bacardi Superior Rum, Yuzu Puree, Puree, Pomegranate Juice, White Cranberry Juice. Not much of a distinction between those two. And Cloud Swirl. Or we can go with the Outer Rim, $16. Patron Silver Tequila. Sedilia Acai Liquor. Also just like a flavor you put in a drink to make it taste like literally just that. Lime juice and pure cane sugar topped with black salt and exotic fruit puree. Basically, these mixed drinks are the equivalent of taking a cup and going to the soda fountain and putting all the flavors in. You're putting so much sugar and and stuff in that these drinks are not... It's hard to get a flavor other than these are really sugary. And these also are expensive, so it's hard to see... If you're somebody who loves to go going to Disneyland and drinking, you could do that to your heart's content in California Adventure. Olga's Cantina is is kind of like Disneyland trying to do a nightclub, a, a, a sort of nightclub that really appeals to to freshmen with fake IDs, who who, who kind of want the club atmosphere but and care less about the actual uh, physical quality of it. Olga's Cantina is is catering to people who are visiting tourists who want to go in there and take pictures in the bar with the droid and, and, and the ambiance. You're paying for the atmosphere. You're not paying for the quality. You know, the rest of Disneyland, you don't have to pay for the atmosphere. You can walk through the lands and enjoy the atmosphere and ambiance right there instead of having to wait in line to get into the cantina where you're required to then purchase overpriced everything. Yeah, I, I kind of compare Olga's Cantina to if you've ever seen in Tomorrowland where they have the dance floor kind of next to the, the Buzz Lightyear uh, 
uh, food court area right there. I've seen that at night, and especially when we were there uh, last May a lot. When you'd have um, when it would when it'd be grad night for for some people, and you would see all these kids just dancing, and you'd have like uh, a couple of costume characters, the genie. If you go, oh, if, the mice from Cinderella out there dancing to like Mambo Number no. Five. Yeah, if that's really <laughs> what you want, if you want to go to Disneyland to dance to to old nineties and two thousand uh, pop classics. With costume characters, if that's what you want to do, I, I, just just if that's what you want to do, have fun. But that's you go there for fifteen hours. You if you go to both parks for fifteen hours, you'd be amazed at how much stuff you didn't get done. And that's kind of the broader point. If you Galaxy's Edge is this place where you're gonna go and walk around, fine. But if you spend three or four hours there, that's time that you're not getting somewhere else. And if you're if you're somebody who's who's coming from out of town, staying in the hotel, you're gonna be there for what three days? I think that's actually probably the amount of time that you'd want to stay at Disneyland if you were planning on spending a heavy amount of time, literally in Galaxy's Edge, because you need the other time to go do the other stuff. And while we're on food, let's let's just talk for a second about blue milk. Blue milk is slimy and disgusting. It's really not great. It's a plant-based... It's, there's no milk, which I don't have a problem with. Dole, milk, Dole, Dole Whip has no milk either, and it's the best, pretty much the best treat they have. I love Dole Whip. I actually... I, I thought so little of blue milk the first time we had it. There was a stranger... This, this woman uh, asked me how it was, and I literally offered the stranger a sip. She almost thought I was crazy. Uh... And I said, this will not be replacing Dole Whip. It's the same if you've had the Abominable Snowman, the the lemon treat uh, with the blue raspberry over uh, on Pixar Pier in California Adventure. That's fine. It's a fine treat. Would I get it over a Dole Whip? Absolutely not. The Tropical Hideaway with the orange pineapple Dole Whip float, I think, which is a new creation. I, I'm, I'm not like a, oh... I'm not an old purist. I, I, I like that Winnie the Pooh replaced Country Bear. I, I think that's a barometer for what kind of Disney fan you are if you still mourn the loss of the Country Bear Jamboree, which I don't, which I don't miss at all. Um, now, do you, did you like, we, we had both. We had the, the, the green blue milk, the green, green milk, and then regular, who the hell, who the hell cares about blue milk? Sarah, they, they've tried to make blue milk into a thing. Blue milk sucks. When I first heard that Blue Milk was, like, a real big attraction at Galaxy's Edge, I, I didn't want to try it. It sounded disgusting. I don't like milk. And then I was like, okay, we're here. I guess I should try it. So I tried the green milk, which I actually did like better than the blue milk. It has more, I guess, like, almost like tropical flavor. I'm not sure what's in it. I, I kind of don't want to know what's in it, which is a problem. Um, it's, it's super sugary. It is refreshing, sure. But yeah, it's not Dole Whip. But it is not as disgusting as I expected because it's not actual milk. It's I guess slimy. It's, like, yeah, it is, it is slimy. It is way slimier than the snow cone treats, um, on Pixar Pier. Um, it almost is like chia seeds inside a smoothie. Uh, it, it's... It's an odd flavor. 
And it's something that we have both had once. I won't speak for Terabell. Uh, I, I don't care if I ever have that again. I mean, I would... But why would I spend money on that when there's everything else? Well, like, so a compare a, a, a perfect comparison would be uh, the Butterbeer at, at Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which mm-hmm. I think I had the Butterbeer probably... I'd had it pretty much every day that uh, when we went to stay in Orlando a couple of years ago. And I had it almost every time the first couple of times. I... Moving to California, the idea that we could have passes and you could go into these parks more or less whenever you wanted, block, block out dates, um, uh, not included. Uh, I was in such awe. I, I would get a couple times, but uh, at the end of the day, butterbeer is uh, cream soda with whipped cream, basically. There's not much of it. In fact, I actually, like, the A&W cream soda is a better butterbeer, I think, than their butterbeer. Uh, it's a fine treat, don't get me wrong. And if you're there and you want to walk around Harry Potter and sip your butterbeer, hard to beat. You go to Galaxy's Edge, you have your blue milk, fine. But it, it, it's kind of one of those ways where there's going to be the people who are there for the first experience, and then there's the APs. And do the APs care? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know the I don't. I don't presume to speak for everybody. Uh, I have questions about that. To, to, to talk a little more about the food... Um, I really don't love Disney, when Disney experiments a lot with food. So when, when we have dinner, we like to eat really in uh, New Orleans Square at the... Um, French Market? Yeah, the French Market or uh, the uh, Mexican place near Big Thunder, which is named... Uh, Rancho del Zocalo. Yeah, they have good food. Uh I even... Uh, Pizza Planet, I, I don't really think eating... Pa- I think pasta... Getting overpriced pasta at a theme park is moronic. Uh, I've actually had their pasta. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's decent pasta, but it's it's not worth that price. No. And it's not energy. That That is not good energy for Disneyland. All right. So if you're like me and you grew up on Star Wars, you know that they don't really eat during... <laughs> there's, no, there's no big... Di- it's not like Downton Abbey where there's a dinner scene pretty much every episode. Uh... Aunt Beru was pouring Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen are, by the way were killed by Obi-Wan uh, Stormtroopers can't speak Jawa but uh, I guess there was that one dinner scene where uh, Luke gets mad that he can't go off uh, he has to go stay and help with the moisture farm later but uh, not a lot of food scenes there's the Empire Strikes Back uh, Yoda comes and takes uh, is annoyed he's eating his stuff hey that's my dinner uh Galaxy's Edge has uh, a lot of just like well, the the fried Andorian tip. Yep, they take fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Except they really they hate milk there. Olive oil instead of milk. They have uh, you know gravy thrown in. It's um. It's like they take, uh, it's like their pot, like, like Disneyland's pot roast is, uh, and their chicken is like dry and they just throw a lot of sauce in to overcompensate and you eat it and it's like, okay, this was edible. It's rich to the extent that I'll probably have diarrhea later. 
And if if you ate that kind of food at the uh, similar restaurant that you paid for uh, the entree, you probably wouldn't go back there. I I don't love their food. I I am not the person to talk about Disneyland food all that much. Because if you're a foodie, you're probably angry with the way I'm diminishing... uh, you know, their, their garden spread or the idea to go to Galaxy's Edge to eat a pork rib. Uh, go to a barbecue place and eat the, the pork rib. I, 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 I don't want to just harp on about the food all that long. You could tell that I, I, I personally don't. I, I'm not the foodie. But with that said, there's not a lot of places to, to even sit down and eat there. Galaxy's Edge really doesn't have a lot of seating. We've learned that. Uh, the area right in front of the Falcon, right before Smuggler's Run... Is this kind of uh, it's, it? Almost looks like stroller parking. It's not really seats, but sort of uh, uh, Star Wars versions of uh, uh, bench bench area. You want to like sit down and enjoy your blue milk? Not a not a lot of places to sit. They have some tables in one spot, uh, but there's really not a. It, it's not it. The fact that you can't really order food in Olga's Cantina. And the uh, cafe is just—it's not really a big eating destination. I don't know. Did you get that impression, Tara? Uh, I I completely agree with you. There's nowhere really to sit. We've we've gotten lucky and like found this one little table area right. near the yeah, marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> it also happens to be like the only place with shade if you get lucky at the right time of day. So there's nowhere to really sit, relax, and enjoy the sights. Uh, you can stand and watch the sights, but that's not really restful. Uh, there's nowhere to really enjoy a meal. Like, they've got their snacks around the marketplace. They've got the Docking Bay restaurant, but that's it. And this is, like, a full land. One thing, I, I haven't tried the Yab Shrimp noodle salad, but I have eaten seafood at God, 10 years ago. The idea that that Ian would eat seafood at a theme park would be unheard of, but I have had their seafood at the French market. It's not bad, but their shrimp, I, I really don't think much of their shrimp. So I, I, I think, like, you look at the yab, yab, yab shrimp noodle salad, and it, it does look very sort of Star Wars-esque. I, I, I gotta say, I can't imagine that's very good. Everything is just a hodgepodge of ingredients, which on the one hand is kind of how I have a tendency to cook if left to my own devices in the kitchen, which is why I, I am kicked out of the kitchen. Uh, because yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. Putting these ingredients together doesn't work. And that also just gets back to, it, it kind of doesn't fit with the idea of Galaxy's Edge and this being kind of a trading outpost, like, yes, you're going to get ingredients, but the people who live and work within Batu, I don't get the feeling that they would be the kind of people who can, one, afford, but also just want to eat these exotic dishes. Uh, I get much more of the feeling that they want kind of a one or two ingredient stew kind of deal, uh, something that they can afford. Um, This is an outpost that's really been invaded by the, is it the Republic? Is that what they're called now? First Order. First Order. Yeah, see, I can't even keep track. The Republic isn't even the Republic. They're the Resistance. <laughs> right, right, that was it. So, 
to to build off that, and and that's actually one area where uh, I'll give J.K. Rowling a lot of credit. I've read that she herself was emphasizing that Universal should not serve like burgers and and fries and stuff at the Three Broomsticks. Just that, and and to her credit, also she didn't say let's serve Wizard Fusion stuff. No, let's just good English fare. Serve nice English pub food at the Three Broomsticks, and I gotta say the th- Three Broomsticks is is pretty good. I I don't love theme park food. Tara loves loves theme park. I love theme park <laughs> desserts. Love my desserts at theme park places. Although oddly enough, at Universal, my absolute favorite dessert there is uh, Cinnabon, which you can get anywhere. <laughs> I I love. And yet, not everywhere. They're they're a mall cafe, and we don't have a lot of malls nearby. Yes, we, so we're in Southern California. Of course, we have malls. Um, I well, there was a Cinnabon near my house growing up in Kinnick. Although I guess it would have only been there for a couple of years while I was growing up. But uh, I I I I like getting the Cinnabon there because it's probably one of the few times when I would eat a Cinnabon. <laughs> I, I, like the Simpsons, uh, the donut at the Simpsons, oh. I think is very overrated. Um, yeah, and also like you can't eat that alone, so it's going to go bad fast. Right. So to to go back to Star Wars, I I don't have an answer for what their menu should have looked like, uh, other than not I mean, that. Yeah, and it's stuff that people are going to try once. They're going to say that, oh, it was neat. It was interesting. And then it's like, would you get it again? No. And that's all you need to know. Um, So to segue a little bit off of that to the merchandise, they have a lot of cute stuff there, I'll admit. And I, I, I think it was like four or five months ago, I purchased this die-cast R5-D4 at... The Star Tours gift shop, which is a really also a really good Star Star Wars themed uh, gift shop, is Star in Star Tours. I think they still have a lot of stuff there that they don't have in Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it's got a, they got a lot of great stuff there. We did not do the hand built lightsaber, and let me just also say the idea that they call it hand built lightsabers. Sav- the, the idea that it's called Savi's Workshop hand-built lightsabers. It's like Galaxy's Edge is trying to do the uh, farm-to-table craft beer. Uh, there's a new there's a new brewery that opened up uh, a couple blocks from us in Long Beach that advertised grain-to-glass beer. It's like fuck off. Hand-built lightsaber. Get, take your hand-built lightsaber and shove it you know where. That just... Hand-built... It's like they're... It's, it's faux artisanal... It's like they want you to feel like you're, you're in the middle of Etsy in Galaxy. It's ridiculous. Etsy? Yeah, hand-built lightsaber. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Handmade. Hand-built. No. 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 Uh- on no. the line of Etsy also, they have these little knit plushies there that definitely look like they ripped someone's work off from Etsy. And th- those actually, those are adorable. But they I, are. I agree. But it's Disney. I'd rather support like a small business. <laughs> so, and I, I've seen the lightsabers. I've seen uh, the case they come in. Is, talk about an impractical uh, thing to buy and then try and to take it around to Disneyland. We had uh, two people. They brought their. Uh, they were sitting in the f- 
we were in the second row of Pirates of the Caribbean. They brought their lightsaber on the first. Oh, yeah. And watching them kind of start to panic from the, right right where the spot where the blue bayou is to them realizing there were two drops. Uh, I don't think... I don't think they they got it too wet, but uh, I would be horrified. Uh, those are, you know, for a two hundred dollar lightsaber, there that's a great lightsaber. But I sure as hell don't want one. It's like the the uh, growing up, you had the lightsabers that were the retractable plastic. Uh, those are fun. I had a Darth Maul one. Yeah, really. like they already had the build your own lightsaber inside the Star Wars gift shop. Well, this is supposed to be that on steroids, which it is. It is, but that's reflected in the price tag. If you want your lightsaber, you will go there and you will buy it. And I, I wish you the best with your hand-built light. You, you take it to your brewery, get some grain to glass, <laughs> go to Taco Bell, have drive through to Asshole Rental, um, have as much fun as you want with that. Now for the droid. And I, I have to admit, when I saw that it was opening, Galaxy's Edge, when I saw that the, all the things they would have, Instantly, I said, I must have one of those droids. I'm looking at the droid now as we speak. I'll put a picture of it up. I love my droid. It's an adorable droid. I Actually, now I've literally bought all the accessories for it also. Uh, so so far, they've got to come out with more stuff. I, I haven't <laughs> bought the additional panels for it yet. But... And I, I think actually, so the hand-built lightsaber is $200, which is, uh, I think, a bit ridiculous, a bit steep. The droid is 99 and it's a remote-controlled droid that you do. We spent 40 minutes on the color scheme, and that's kind of a detriment because I, I don't, especially, I think the only bot for, so for the droid, you can get a BB model or an R2 model. Or an R model. Not not all of them would be R2. Uh, you could build like an R5 there or an R4. But for the R unit, they don't have a ton of uh, uh, base colors. I think it was blue. Uh, it was blue, black, red, and I think white. I think those were the only ones. They didn't have a purple base, which is annoying because I really wanted the purple and gray head for R2. And we spent 40 minutes building that droid because I wanted that color scheme to be perfect. And I really like I really like my droid. It's adorable. But the black R2-shaped dome head was really the only one that was working with what we were trying to do on the blue base. And it, it, at $99, I actually think that the markup on that for a remote-controlled droid that's got a lot of cute sound effects and building it's adorable, and the people there, you have a tool that's really just a screwdriver. It is a fun process. Terror took some pictures. I had a blast. I like my droid a lot. I, I love it. That, 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 the building the droid was the most fun that I've had in Galaxy's Edge. I loved it. I bought the accessories. I've had three separate fun conversations just in the droid place alone. Over the times we've been there, I love my droid. It's adorable. And I'm really glad that I like it a lot because I'd wanted it for, since I heard that it was opening. That was really the one thing I wanted. And I got the one. Th I got it, and I love it. And this is where first impression versus lasting impressions comes into play. Because here's the kicker. I have that droid now. 
I bought the one thing that I wanted to really do in Galaxy's Edge, I have now done. And I am not going to buy a BB model. I have no desire to do that. I do uh, like the DJ Rex droid. A uh, little bullish on the fact that it's Bluetooth accessible because that can't be the greatest Bluetooth speaker on the planet Earth. Uh, Probably not. 150 it's a little bit outside the price range that I... Even if Tara and I were to be like, okay, let's... It, it's just... It's, it, I won't be buying it. No, they, they've got the Pop Funko version. That's enough. Yeah. And even that's pretty overpriced. Well, the, I mean... It, it, if you want a fun Galaxy Edge experience, the $99 droid, which obnoxiously doesn't include... Uh, the annual pack. I think they. I think they told us that the reason for that was that it was inexperienced. Therefore, that doesn't make sense. Can 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 get ten percent versus the the accessories. You can get the ten percent, not the droid itself, which is obnoxious. But uh, that was fun. I really enjoyed building the droid. I will probably never build the droid again. Yeah, and I think part of their idea is like families are gonna get multiple. And you're going to go back for other colors. But for the average, I guess, millennial like us doing it, one is enough. Right. And that is uh, this Galaxy. They'll put new merch in. They put new merch in since we were there. They put new merch there all the time uh, in the park. Maybe not Galaxy Edge specifically, but uh, Disney is really good at updating their merch. And yeah, every few weeks, like the same shop, you'll see new shirt styles, new jewelry, new toys. Uh, they're very good at updating that, which is something that I, I really hope Galaxy's Edge does. And if Disney is smart, they will of course do adding more, especially around the holidays. Right. So uh, there's that repeat value. But. I mean, we, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you know that Tara and I have more plushies than it's probably, uh, we have an insane amount of plushies and we love our plushies and, uh, all, all of that. But, uh, for your average person going to Galaxy's Edge, how much merch are you going to buy? And even if it's a lot, how much is a lot? And, and I, I don't think, a land is really sustained by the quality of the merchandise. Like, I haven't bought something in Harry Potter World in a long time, and they have actually fairly good stuff. But it gets boring after a while. Even, like, looking like... I mean, I think Disneyland really overshot themselves on food-related apparel. Like, the, the churro-eating contest shirt is ridiculous. But... It plays into a bigger problem, which is that that Galaxy's Edge is an experience that if you want, if you want even something remotely resembling a full experience, you're going to have to spend a lot of money. And you can say, oh, well, that's by design. But if that's by design, then it's a poor design. And one thing happened last time we were there on Thursday. Uh, we were there last week. And... We were in Toontown, probably around 4 in the afternoon. 
Toontown last week was open till midnight, which was bizarre. We got the chance to ride Roger Rabbit and Gadget's Go Coaster at 10 o'clock at night, which was surreal. And this one little kid kept running back to the Gadget Go Coaster line. It was it was adorable, but it was fun to ride that 30-second roller coaster at night, but uh, strange. But while we were in Toontown before that, it was during the day, I... I was reminded, you see it every time there, and if you go to Disneyland a lot, you probably know what I'm talking about. The photo ops in Toontown are astonishing. And all these kids were still running around loving every picture they were getting to take in this, like, 20-plus-year-old land based off a movie that most little kids haven't seen who framed Roger Rabbit. People still love that about Toon, Toontown. And as somebody who came to Southern... I, my first time at Disneyland, I've been there dozens of times uh, over the past few years, but I think 2015 was the first time I'd ever even been there. So I didn't grow up with Toontown, but I'm reminded by all these these you know multi-generation families who go there, they love that stuff. They love taking pictures at Toontown. And when you go to Galaxy's Edge, you do see some pictures, but it's usually, it's really predominantly selfies in the cantina or outside the Millennium Falcon. And it's a photo op place. But as a photo op place, I just wonder, like, how much better is this for photo ops than uh, the street in, um, the street in Cars Land or Tuned? If you're competing with Toontown in terms of, like, photo op viability, I think something's gone wrong. I, I think Toontown is a place where... And it's a home of an infamous fight. But uh, I, I think it's it's one of the more dated areas of the park. And yet people love taking pictures there still. It's a lovely place. Well, if they spent a billion dollars on Galaxy's Edge, is is Toontown... Should it, should it compete with Toontown for pictures? I, if you don't know what I'm talking about or, or love taking pictures of Galaxy's Edge, I'm willing to admit that this 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 line of thinking is, is maybe not for everybody, but I don't feel like the photo ops to take pictures in front of the things is, like, super-duper amazing. Even, um... And we haven't really talked about Smuggler's Run in depth yet, which is a good time to do that. I... Even when you're in the the living room area of the smugglers of uh, the Millennium Falcon, for like, <clears throat> even if you're in the like living room area where the Star Wars version of chess, not Sabak, Sabak's the one that Lando lost the Falcon on, uh, the one with the monsters, let the Wookiee win. Um, I should know that. Uh, if you're there. On the Falcon, uh, you don't really get a lot of time to take the photo op, and there's typically uh, other uh, boarding groups for Galaxy uh, for Smuggler's Run. So <clears throat> there's other boarding groups there for Smuggler's Run, so you don't really get a ton of time to take the pictures. I've taken a bunch of pictures. Uh, it's it's cute, but I was just astonished the next time I was there by how little I really cared about taking any more pictures. You didn't even really want any pictures around, Tara, did you? Nope. Uh, I, I remember the first time we were there at night, it was, it was a pretty scene. Like there are things to take pictures of at night. Um, it looks nicer than during the day, but then, yeah, you do it once and then like, okay, well, been there, done that. Nothing really more to see. 
No need for more repeat pictures. Yeah. And if this is a place for first impressions, it will do well. For years, there were people who every day, every day for the rest of the time it's open, there will be people there who are there for the first time. But even thinking back to the first time we were there, saw it, looked cool, had anticipated spending two to three hours there. And boy, were we back at back riding Splash Mountain or Winnie the Pooh. First day Galaxy, first day we were at Galaxy's Edge, I still rode Mr. Toad and Winnie the Pooh three times each. And Roger Rabbit a couple times. And I just didn't really care. But Smuggles Run, which I've ridden a few times now. Smuggler's Run, okay. To explain where I'm coming from on Smuggler's Run, there are people who like rides as a passive thing, to sit down and take in the world around you. Then there are people who like Toy Story Midway Mania or Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters and like to be part of it, to shoot a gun or to pull on a ball tied to a rope of string, which... There's a lot of people who will grow up and experiment with the BDSM community who will think that a lot of that is like Toy Story Midway Mania. What? <laughs> anyway, Smuggler's Run. Smuggler's Run... I wish we'd started with this. Smuggler's Run is like if you take Star Tours and combine it with the interactive part of Tarzan's treehouse when you've kind of climbed back down and they have the pots and stuff and you... It's a motion simulator with P PlayStation 3 era graphics that you have you you have a button and if you're not in a group of 6 you're in there with strangers and you're you're pushing a button to get a score while the guys constantly saying right pilot do this left pilot engineers gunner gunner is probably i think the best role uh, See, I actually liked engineer better Gunner was too hard. It's like you're pressing this button repeatedly, and like that was tedious. Yeah, pilot, you um. Well, pilot, your primary job is for, especially if you're in with strangers, to have them get mad at you because of how bumpy the ride is and uh, moving right and left. Look, they made a ride at they they made a ride designed around giving people the opportunity to to pull a lever, and and go into light speed, which is literally that's that's. That's that's where the baseline of the appeal. Everybody who's ridden Smuggler's Run who's been a pilot knows that that's like the pinnacle of that. And the problem is it's a ride with no fast pass where you can't really ask where you want to be and one person really gets to pull the lever. So everybody... And actually, Tara's kind of right. Engineer... The best thing about Engineer is you get the best view of the ride. The problem with the ride is it's supposed to cater to the type of person who likes their rides to be more like video games while also essentially just being a rail shooter. Like, basically anything that you would find at an arcade or there's a, a Resident Evil uh, Umbrella Chronicle game for uh, Wii. The, when the Wii put out the blaster, there's some rail shooters for that. A rail shooter is uh, you don't move. You're, you're following like a guided path, and your job is really just to shoot. 
That's really what Smuggler's Run is. And the guy is just shouting instructions the whole time, and he, and he has to because you're always going to be in there with people who, who don't know what they're doing. We, we did that the first time I came out being like, okay, I really was underwhelmed by that. And I'm somebody who doesn't really like Astro Blasters. We do it a lot of times at like 9 o'clock when we're looking. It's like when, when it's one of the few rides in Disneyland that we uh, haven't even done once. And just looking to like kill 5-10 uh, minutes. Um, it, it's a fun ride, but Smuggler's Run is underwhelming. That's really the, the, the major takeaway. Did you did you really like Smuggler's Run, Terrible? No. And you're a huge Star Wars. You're you're a huge Star Tours fan. Yes, and so that's why I found disappointing just the main two aspects of Smuggler's Run that the video quality was pretty poor, and that you don't really get to watch it anyway because you're trying to push all these buttons at once, trying to like get a good score, and you're not really enjoying the ride. I I don't really know what happens in the video. But when I try to look at it, like at the few breaks, I'm like, oh, this is kind of grainy. You're trying to get the coaxium or something like that. I don't know. And it's complicated. I press the button when it lights up. I know that. Well, so there are rides where you ride it and you're blown away. But you're also filled with like a, okay, it went fast at points and I think I missed some stuff. Peter Pan's flight comes to mind. The first half of Peter Pan's flight, you get to look, you get lots of really great imagery of of London and then the island itself. And then when it segues into more of the audio and animatronics, it goes very quick and you don't get a lot of time to see Peter Pan on the the boat battling Hook or or Smee. It it goes very quickly. So you want to... You almost a lot of times finish Peter Pan thinking you missed some stuff and you want to do it again. And the Peter Pan line is one of the worst in the park, especially one of the worst that has no fast pass. So it's, it's difficult to do that again. Smuggler's Run, which also has no fast pass, is also something that uh, for most parts of the day, unless it's like fairly late at night, you have to wait a lot. So you finish Smuggler's Run thinking that you've missed stuff and you want to do it again. And then you go and do it again. I think the problem is that that it's really not a great return experience. You kind of you think about having missed a lot while you were pushing the buttons, and then if you get a chance to be engineer where you get a bit more time to watch the ride, you're like, I didn't really miss much at all. This ride is kind of lame. And actually, when we were about to board one time, the most recent time that we rode it, he said to this woman who is an engineer. You have the best job. You don't have to do anything. You get to sit back and enjoy the ride. She took that literally and didn't press any buttons. And then I went back to our scores. I take pictures of the scores when we ride. That was not our worst score. She finished the ride saying, I'm sorry, everyone. I thought I didn't have to do anything. And I actually, like, I I really don't think she was misguided in... I, I, I regret not telling her he's not being literal, but I don't really blame her. And let's also acknowledge that, you know, for for two uh, millennials in their 20s, uh, I don't 
I, I, I couldn't care less what our score is, but... I like scores. Well, you're put in a group. Yeah, you don't really have much control over it. I think the pilots are the ones who are really in control of the score. And maybe they're, like, really mad that somebody screwed up, and I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Um, Half the time, my gun is, like, barely working in Astro Blasters, mm-hmm. and I, I I couldn't care less. Um, my, my, my favorite time uh, riding Astro Blasters was when we were riding it for the purposes of taking a picture to use for the rank article. And I didn't, I barely even used the gun at all. I just sat there and took pictures and looked at the stuff. I like my rides to be rides. I don't, I don't want to participate. I I play a lot of video games. I like video games. PlayStation four is already better than smugglers run in terms of graphics. I don't care about that. I I, I think that it has very limited uh, repeat appeal. Now for Rise of the Resistance, that's supposed to be one of the best things Disney's ever built. I, I've heard that Disneyland does have a lot of people, uh, uh, blogs that it seems to kind of curate what they say. Let me rephrase. Uh, Disney does seem to sometimes have a cozy relationship with some blogs who will hype up a lot of their stuff, but uh, Rise of the Resistance... Looks very uh, thorough. I mean, there's been delays. Uh, it looks great, but and especially the fact that it's kind of located at one of the exits of of or entrances to to Galaxy's Edge. I imagine people will go to go to Rise of Resistance, ride it, and then they will leave and they'll go somewhere else in the park, which is kind of the point. So Disneyland is. The Disneyland Park, the Disneyland Resort. So taking Disneyland and California Adventure into consideration is just one of the most complete experiences in a theme park you can have around. It's just nothing. Walt Disney World has four parks, uh, but they're, they're, you, you can't really walk easily between them. you got to take the bus. Unless you're at one of the really great resorts that is monorail access, you can get from like the Magic Kingdom to Epcot pretty quickly, but... In terms of places, like, if you, if somebody said you have a one day to spend at any park area in the world, you'd probably want to go to Disneyland so that you could do Disneyland and California event. You can bang out a lot of stuff in a day. And if there's somebody who doesn't have an AP and, and doesn't get to go that often, I, I, I constantly keep thinking to myself, where do those people Where's the best way for them to spend their time? Because I get asked to people, hey, I've, I've got one day at Disneyland. Tell me the things I need to do. And that can be kind of a long list. And when you're talking to those people, they're not going to want to do Mr. Toad necessarily three times. They don't need to take a picture of Mr. Toad every time like I do. Maybe they don't need to do the Royal Theater. I also find myself saying you... Map out like a half hour to take in Galaxy's Edge. That's really all you need. An hour if you want. Go build the droid if you want the droid. If you don't want the droid, you don't want the lightsaber, you don't care about the food, go have your blue milk, walk around, and then you're done. And speaking of the Disney blogs, I looked on Twitter the other day and I saw somebody say, oh, now we're in the part of Galaxy's Edge where people say, wait, does Galaxy's Edge actually suck? Like, uh, like, 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 sort of just tracking the way that people consume media of being S- similar, actually, 
so I, I was always, uh, I, I wrote a review the day after I saw The Force Awakens. It was very underwhelmed, but there were a lot of people who just thought this was great. And I think it, it, it really, it, that, that sentiment evaporated fairly quickly afterward. And I think the people are trying to say, oh, people just want to hate on Galaxy's Edge. I think that that people aren't sure what to make of such a rapid expansion or such a massive expansion for Disney that is simultaneously also fairly underwhelming. I think Galaxy's Edge is underwhelming. There's just nothing there. Even when they get the second ride open, even if it's great, there's there's still nothing to do there. Like, uh, what else could they do? Like, put in a show or a parade? They they need more to really keep you there. It's just it's not as big as they really want it to be. So the last time we were there uh, was the first time that uh, Haunted Mansion Holiday was open for the year that we had been there, and we rode it four times. And we were we wrote it four times, even like before it was the evening, and we were contemplating doing a fifth. We could have done a fifth. I had blocked out. We were so fast pass sufficient that I uh, took, even though we had for our fourth haunted mansion, I maybe it was the third. Uh, picked a fast pass that was purposely like an hour, hour and a half, two hours out, so that I wouldn't have to worry about the fast pass, and that we could just kind of. We we had done all the fast pass stuff that we wanted, and I wanted to go enjoy Galaxy's Edge. Tara's like, I, I think you've blocked out too much. We're not going to be in Galaxy's Edge as much. We'll be back in. You're expecting ten. like two hours. Yeah, I I'm somebody who went to Galaxy's Edge, really wanting to love the place. People can accuse film critics of uh, having agendas. When I sit down in front of a movie, I, I, I want to like it for a very simple reason. I don't want to sit there for two hours just crafting oppo research to go write a slam review. I want to. I want to enjoy myself. I, I want to enjoy the experience. Gas Edge, I really want to like it. I just, just really, first time we're there. It's like, okay, we've done this. What else is there to do? I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care. It's like we'd done everything. The stormtrooper, like, and I, I guess the 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 one big like X factor, because I really did want to be there during the day, to to see the spontaneity of the stormtroopers, but. It's kind of like a controlled spot. It's it's not that spontaneous. Like the interactions are uh, unique to to individual people, but it's it's kind of a repetitive repetitive experience. I kept thinking to myself that when I was in other parts of the park, I wanted to go there and explore it, and a lot of that was just sort of based in FOMO, fear of missing out. There really wasn't anything to miss out on, so we went there. It's a beautiful place at night. It, it looks pretty. I enjoyed. We've we've every time we've been there, where Galaxy's Edge has been open, we've gone back, enjoyed it at night. Some people have mentioned that it, it's a shame that, that there aren't more costumed characters there at night, which is true. Of it'd be great if there were at all times of the day. 
it's not practical in the dark for stormtroopers to walk around. We did see Ray there at night. We were there around nine, nine thirty, and there was a Ray, and she was actually making a concerted effort to go talk to the young children who probably hadn't seen the movie and didn't care who she was, but I she was trying. Give her uh, a lot of props for that. Uh, Galaxy's Edge is is just so not a big deal, and I, in terms of a place to go and spend time in it, it makes me think of. Um, Really, Cars Land and uh, uh, Pandora and Wizarding World, because especially for Universal Hollywood, there's a lot of appeal in walking around Wizarding World that just stems from the simple fact that there isn't a ton to do in that park and that you will have time to just go walking around. When you're in Cars Land, like, if you get... If you buy one of the resort passes that limits you to one park a day, which I hate that they, I think that's unfair that they even offer that because I think somebody is getting, I, I, I wouldn't imagine somebody on a resort day really wanting to spend all that, a full day in California Adventure. We typically, in a 15 hour day, spend a little over two hours there. And we get really all of the good stuff in. I think if you're there for a full day, you would do everything multiple times, essentially. Maybe not Radiator. You, you could very easily plan to do Radiator Springs twice or maybe even three times. Cars Land is also a place where it's fun to walk around by token of the fact that if you can't go to Disneyland, uh, that's, that's appealing. If you're in Disneyland, there's a lot of other things competing for your attention. And I don't think Galaxy's Edge does a good job of making itself the definitive place to be. And maybe we're kind of... Uh, I mean, the beauty of Galaxy's Edge opening is it seems to have siphoned a lot of the crowds off from other parts of the park, which is great. But we, we didn't ride Star Tours the last time we were there, but the time before we rode it, I'm like, yeah. I like, I like Star Tours better than Smuggler's Run. And I, I'm not a huge Star Tours fanatic. I, Tara likes it a hell of a lot more than I do. And I was sitting there being my having my mile jerk, jerked around. Our, our droid was there with us. And uh, I, I, was, I was enjoying myself. Smuggler's Run. Oh, engineer, push this button. Who the hell? Those buttons are dirty. I don't want to touch them. Yeah, that's also part of the problem. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, to kind of move into the, the closing thoughts about, I, I think Tara's right. I, I don't think Rise of the Resistance is, is going to drastically uh, alter the framework of Galaxy Edge. What it will do is uh, there's a good chance that it will work its way into like the top 10 of Disneyland rides. I would hope so. Smuggler's Run, I don't think, I would put Smuggler's Run... This is just me. I would personally rather ride Casey Jr. than Smuggler's Run. And I like Casey Jr. I like riding the train. I like going around Storybook Land. A lot of people hate that ride. And I think those people are bad people. But I would rather ride Casey Jr. Would you rather ride Casey Jr. than Smuggler's Run? Yep. I mean, like you get a beautiful view of the wonderful little town. You get to see the duckies. You get to see the people on the boats. And you get to, like, sing along to Casey Jr.'s coming round the track. With a smoky stack. Yeah. So, I just, Disneyland's been there since 1955. And there's a lot of stuff that's been there a long time. Haunted Mansion just celebrated its 50th anniversary. 
Winnie the Pooh in the spring celebrated 16th anniversary. There's a lot of rides to do there. Galaxy's Edge is is investing heavily in the the experience category. It's not just a place for rides, it's a place for experiences. And I think for like it's Hollywood Studios equivalent in Walt Disney World, it probably can do a better job with that because like Pandora, it can be a marquee attraction in a lesser individual park. Galaxy's Edge in California is in Disneyland. Disneyland as a single park is the most complete park in the world. Disneyland, the main Disneyland proper, you know, if you stack up everything Walt Disney World has against Disneyland and California Adventure, maybe it has the edge. I don't know. Mr. Toad is worth a hell of a lot in my book. But Disneyland as a single theme park with a singular admission is the greatest park in the world. I don't think Galaxy's Edge improved it all that much. I definitely agree. I just... I I don't think it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. I don't like to... This isn't a podcast meant to just dump on the place. The droid's beautiful. Sure, Rise of Resistance will be great. You wanted to ride the Millennium Falcon your whole life. Uh, you get to ride the PlayStation 3 equivalent. I have a uh, honestly like the the queue before you go into the actual like ride part after you get your rolls. That is probably the best part of Smuggler's Run, just being able to explore the Millennium Falcon in there. That is the best part of it. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you know, to wrap up, I I want to like Galaxy's Edge a lot. I've, I've, and uh, my opinion could probably change. I've come around on certain aspects of the park, but uh, for now, and uh, you'll find people who say, oh, Disney can do no wrong. Look at, like, the entire construction of California Adventure. They built a ride with Drew Carey in it. Now that's a wonderful ride at Monsters, Inc., but... The entirety of phase one of California Adventure was a total and colossal fuck-up. It was handled horrifically. I imagine we'll probably see a phase two of Galaxy's Edge down the road. I don't think it's the game-changer that people were hoping it was going to be. It's not... It's not... An, it's not... I think if you're going to... if As far as a destination attraction... Like just as an example... When we went to Universal in Orlando a couple of years ago, I went with my family. My sister made a PowerPoint presentation selling my parents on Harry Potter World. And she could have, they, they probably would have just, if she'd asked, said, okay, fine, eventually we'll plan. It's different on the East Coast when you have to like fly and stay at these hotels and stuff. She made a PowerPoint on all of the things she wanted to do there. I don't think you'd do the same for Galaxy's Edge. It would be one slide. And if anybody's like, oh, well, they're not trying to be Harry Potter World. Of course they are. Let's No, they definitely are. Yeah, let's not try and drink the Disney. They, they, they wish it yeah. was as good as Wizarding World. Let's not drink the Disney Kool-Aid on that one. They're trying to be Galaxy's Edge. I mean, they're trying to be Wizarding World to Harry Potter. They're trying to be Pandora. They're not. They took a big whiff. Galaxy's Edge. Maybe later, but it's just not a big deal. Not a big deal. I, I, 
It's astonishing how little I care about Galaxy's Edge. And maybe that's the inner Star Wars fan in me that isn't quite the same than the little child who got R2-D2 blew me away. And I have my droid. I love it. I'll spend time in Galaxy Edge when we go back, but uh, I think I might like Toontown better. I'm not a huge fan of Toontown. <laughs> so, anyway, you have any uh, closing Galaxy Edge thoughts, Terrible? You know, I really wanted to like it. Like, I, I like Star Wars. Um, I, I got into the fandom in high school and college. Um, but I was never as deep into it as you and probably most fans were. But I always loved Star Tours. And I was really excited for what it could be. And it really is just underwhelming. Cause there's just so little there. Like, why yeah. isn't it the Death Star? I would love to, like, walk along the Death Star promenade and look at all of the different machines and weapons. It should have been Tatooine. Yeah. They wanted to have it both ways. They wanted something that basically was all the Tatooine stuff but was, was a Disney and not a George Lucas thing. I think, in, in hindsight, that was a mistake. It should have been Tatooine. It basically is Tatooine as it stands. And... The Tatooine aesthetic also worked a lot better from, like... There are parts of Frontierland that look like Tatooine. In fact, a lot of Frontierland looks like Tatooine. They could have could have done... Uh, maybe it'll be great down the road, but uh, Jury's still definitely out on... The, the legacy of Galaxy's Edge, and it's it's just not 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 a terribly spectacular place, but... And with that, uh, I think this is a good place to end. We've gone uh, on long enough. We've hopefully uh, tackled much of uh, elements. Uh, if there's any questions you have about Galaxy's Edge, if you're somebody who hasn't had a chance to visit it, either at Walt Disney World or uh, Disneyland, feel free to shoot us a message. I'll answer it as best I can. But uh, And also share your thoughts. If you're somebody who loves the food and stuff and you feel really differently, uh Share your thoughts. We'd, we'd certainly like to hear it. And um, we hope... we I, I want people to like the place, but it is kind of funny that it's kind of kind of a bit of a whiff from Disney. I don't know. I, I, I am somebody who kind of smiled when Sony said, we're taking Spider-Man back. Oh, no. I was like, oh. I, I don't know. I'm also... I, I wanted the X-Men to stay with Fox. I, I, I think a, a diversity of... Uh, 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 diversifying Marvel's assets is is good in the long run. I, I don't know. Anyway, that's going to be ending. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. We we'll probably won't see you at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> see you on Mr. Toad. Bye. <laughs>